Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now on with Monkey Tennis. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I am hopping mad and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Damn! Monkey tennis. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh. Monkey tennis. Radical. Awesome. Mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis. Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis. Edmunds is a total wazzard of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who the hell is that? Like, this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis. The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hello once again and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast where we trawl through all of Alan's tidbits past and present. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark. The Queen is dead. Long live the King's singers. Nick Alder. If she has a strong Roman nose, say, I like your strong Roman nose. <laughs> and Tom Stab. Hide the steak, it's Chrissy Hind. <laughs> so uh, thanks for joining us once again um, we will be getting into all sorts today um, including details of what we're covering in this series if you couldn't already guess um, but firstly thanks to all of you the legions of you that have got in touch with us with feedback some of you up to five or six times each uh, via the following methods uh, Instagram at monkey tennis pod Twitter at the partridge pod facebook.com slash the partridge pod um, some people email the partridge pod at gmail.com and if you want to leave a voice note fancy yourself an internet celebrity then you can drop one on 0792 600-017 aka the monkey tennis hotline uh, thanks so much to all of you that have done that and uh, this week in the first of a two-parter we're going to go through some of the uh, the cream of your discharge uh, the best of your feedback and uh, and add our own thoughts along the way as well starting with alan's recent appearance uh, i believe wembley stadium 
That's correct. Uh, so yeah, uh, very recently, Alan popped up on stage at Wembley Stadium with Coldplay. Um, I think I think he he popped up uh, as they were performing a bit of "Knowing Me, Knowing You" by ABBA, and then Alan performed "Running Up That Hill" by Kate Bush with uh, Chris Martin. Um, so obviously, loads of people got in touch sharing this with us. Um, quite a bit of fun. We kind of shared some screen grabs and clips of it. Um, couple couple of bits of note from this he was wearing a bomber jacket that had snow patrol on the back um Brilliant. so bit bit of bit of bit of fun there and obviously many people pointing out that he was in a full beard now as far as we're aware uh alan in a beard has only really been spotted uh or in vision uh when he did appearances for the teenage cancer trust show uh which was released as the cream of british comedy dvd and he also did uh like some extra chats with roger daltrey that are available on YouTube and things like that. So I think that's the only time we've seen Alan in a beard up until the Oast House uh, trailer that just dropped uh, a couple of days ago at the time of recording, uh, which we'll probably talk about uh, in a bit. So, yeah, interestingly uh, to know, are we going into a new era of Alan that is full beard? We, we, we At this point, we do not know, but I feel like we'll find out very soon. Uh, we also had an interesting article shared um, by Michael Brennan. Thank you for that, sir. And um, it's uh, concerning Alan's potential move into the uh, US. Uh, so it's a piece from um, Variety um, and it quotes uh, the uh, CEO of Baby Cow, Sarah Monteith, who says, One character the team are already considering for exportation to America is Alan Partridge, the cringe-inducing television host created by Coogan over 30 years ago. There's so much and so many different ways you could do Partridge, says Monteith. You could take it as it is to the US and locate it there. The next Partridge iteration that we're doing, uh, which in the UK, would lend itself to that. Or you can do it in a completely different way. So... I think um, it's fair to say that Alan is being considered um, as uh, something that they could uh, do in America. And I think I probably speak on behalf of everyone by saying this is troublesome and alarming. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say what's interesting about this is, uh, so she says the next Partridge iteration we're doing, which is in the UK, would lend itself to that. Now, I don't, I'm assuming she's talking about TV projects as opposed to Oast House projects, but... Maybe not. I mean, obviously, you could do the Oast House from America. You could, you know, you could do a podcast literally anywhere. Um, but I wonder if, with if she's talking more about TV output, what the current Partridge iteration is that that, that Baby Cow are working on. I don't think we know a hundred percent. I think there have been lots of things that have been hinted at and suggested over the last couple of years. But you know, we've got things like travel log, um, some kind of historical program what was it called like um when these feet or i can't quite remember and did these feet i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be both i think this is this is a hint the fact that she's saying the concept is being done in the uk but you could translate it to the us that heavily implies to me that it's some sort of historical travelogue you know like Mm, a michael portillo on the railways type situation um but the other thing i would say as per nick's comment is when i imagine um a documentary style series where Alan is interacting with members of the American public. I don't see how that works. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I feel like it's a transplant too far. Is it, you know how they always say that when, when, when characters have run out of ideas, they take them on holiday or put them in space or something like that. It feels a little bit too far down that road for my liking. And that's exactly like, I think they really decided with Alpha Papa, they didn't want to do Alan goes to America, Alan goes to Ibiza, that sort of thing which is exactly that traditional thing. So yeah, it does. 
Alan in America as a series does sound a bit worrying and also feels to me like that could immediately become some kind of almost Borat Ali G type territory, which I don't think is really what we'd want to see either. The other thing is that it's been 30 years. So the opportunity to take Alan to America, like surely it would have happened by now if they thought it was a good idea. The other thing is that, yes, I do understand the kind of slight nervousness, reluctance to transplant him into America. But what I would say is that since the Gibbons have come on board, pretty much every new thing that they've tried their hand to has worked. And I think if they Mm. wouldn't, I don't think they would do it unless they had a really solid idea for it. And the other thing is that I would actually quite like to see a kind of travel log series that involves Alan going sort of state to state, maybe across one of them roads like Route 66 um, with... um, with Lynn and Psychic Simon in tow. Now, that might be a little bit too much to, to to hope for, but I think those three characters in America could lead to some hijinks. Admittedly, I wouldn't want to see like endless series of it. I think you could get some good stuff from six half-an-hour episodes of, of, of that. I think the chink of positivity for me is um, the moment in Oast House Series 1 where Alan does go to L.A., uh, he just breathes yeah, <laughs> yeah he's good yeah. so maybe that undoes our whole argument and actually it'd be brilliant <laughs> well i think it depends how they do it right so if 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 it's purely within uh apu if it's purely within alan's world and it's a fully fictionalized world and i i do think i really agree with stab that if you do it and you bring the other characters with him i think that makes it feel richer and is going to have a lot more for fans if you do it and it's try and ba- basically the thing is Alan Partridge's character isn't massive or even that well-known in America. You've got to be a bit of an Anglophile in the States to really be into him and know who he is. So the other way they could do it, which is why we're saying like kind of the Borat-type reference, is trying to get him to interact with unwitting members of the public. And I feel like that would be bad. I don't think that's the route they would take it down because I think one of the strengths of the output of Alan over 30 years is because it all sits within the world of the APU, not trying to put Alan the character into the real world with with hilarious consequences because I don't think it would be hilarious. So uh, just thought I'd cover what we're going to be covering this series, which of course is going to be Oast House Series 2, which uh, at time of recording this is in 12 days time. But by the time you're listening to this, it will already be out. Uh, so it's out on uh, on the 22nd of September on Audible. and uh, The difference is Audible. And uh, you just have to say that we're not we're not going to speculate at this point what's in it, because by the time you hear this, you probably will have heard it and know what's in it. Um, But because it would have been out for a few days. But uh, a new teaser went out this week, which Tom alluded to earlier, which featured Alan. uh, I mean, a very short (laughs) teaser, (laughs) a whopping four seconds of Alan. But crucially, what we do learn from this that is new is that he has the beard, which uh, which which Tom referred to earlier. And Nick, I believe you've pre-ordered as well. I don't know if anyone else has, but Nick is a, a pre-orderer of uh, Host House Series 2, where, you know, we probably could have sourced it for free. <laughs> I'm genuinely that excited. Um, always pre-order, always pre-save. That way it's like a little audio treat uh, on the day of release. Um, so and Jeff yeah. Bezos is drenched in Nick Alder cash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah just on on the subject of alan's beard i wondered uh is this is this something that he's grown specifically for this let's not forget audio project or has coogan had to grow this beard for some other role and so they've just thought well it's feasible that alan would would also have a beard so let's do that or is it a stick on just a very good prosthetic beard that he's put on to go on stage with coldplay and to record these bits for 
for audible the difference is audible what do we think <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't think a stick on is going to be the thing because just what why would you bother it because it doesn't the the, the visuals we, we've seen them on stage Cole play in four seconds of an audible ad the difference is audible by the way um like you know he doesn't need to have a beard for those things so i would imagine it's going to be one of the other reasons um but i was just going to say the the other interesting thing about that whopping full second clip we've seen he's not in the oast house he's in some kind of like is it like a wagon or a hut or something where he like opens the mm. opens the door so that is interesting in terms of does that signify uh is that a bit of a tease a bit of a hint to what we can expect from from the series who knows well certainly um audible the difference is audible have provided the information <laughs> that some of it will be uh, coming from the oast house and some of it will be coming from a variety of other places as well um so it might be tied into that perhaps he's broadcasting from the hut once in a yeah, while yeah um, so on to uh, a letter we got from Dan Goldsworthy. Thanks for getting in touch, Dan. Um, I'm just going to read this one out. He said, I don't know if you guys are fans of the comedian Stuart Lee, but to me there is an absolutely huge Stuart Lee influence in Oast House that I've never noticed in other AP content, though I appreciate Lee was an original writer for AP decades ago. I'm not suggesting plagiarism, by the way, but there are dozens of snippets where either the content is a slight variation on something that Lee has touched on before, one of those young comedians, or the idea that people like sad podcasts, or just the delivery and style of one of his stories. A good example of the latter is the facility really are they the same tone of his tram slash cable car discussion with lynn but also crucially the delivery of how he wraps up the i don't know oh good which is pure stuart lee i could totally understand how people might not get that much from the gag whereas to me it's completely down to how funny you find that style or lee-esque delivery of the punchline also the handmaid's tale pondering is another one off the top of my head the gotta say i found it very one-sided <laughs> it's pure lee as is the manner that coogan muses about it um, as well as it being touched upon so briefly as an interjection when rambling about something else gibbons era ap the audiobooks midmore mats etc um, and Stuart lee are without doubt my favorite comedy writers of all time and i've listened to all their content on loop for years like i say there's nothing stolen from lee and i'm certainly not complaining about it brackets i love it uh, it was just to point out that so much of the content to me feels influenced by his work i wouldn't have thought much about it if it was just the odd one here or there but could probably point out at least 20 if i was to go through all this again be interested to hear your thoughts slash if you're fans of lee well please to report down i'm a massive fan of Stuart lee i like you i've i've seen or heard almost everything he's ever done um his princess diana routine in 90s comedian is one of my favorite of all time i could probably repeat it verbatim but maybe not in the current climate um so yes we are huge fans of Stuart Lee and I, I, I completely see where you're coming from. I think a, a lot of those affectations and those little ticks um, in Oast House do feel quite Lee oriented. I wonder if the Gibbons themselves are fans. I guess they're, they're of the right age to have grown up with Stuart Lee. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we're all, we're all big fans of Stuart Lee on, on the pod and uh, um, have been enjoying uh, Snowflake, the latest yeah, special, which good. is just on iPlayer now. Um, yeah, I, I think this is really interesting. Like there's definitely, there's kind of almost like a, a bit of a withering tone and delivery to like more modern Alan, which kind of ties in with the Stuart Lee kind of deadpan mannerisms, which perhaps you wouldn't have got from Alan in the 90s when he's trying to be kind of Mr. Light Entertainment, TV Quicks man of the moment. That that sort of vibe is very different to, I think, the kind of more disparaging aspects and kind of off the cuff Alan that you get in things like the Oast House and Midmore Matt and things like that. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's Oast House is the first opportunity he's had to just sort of ramble at length, apart from in the books, obviously, about subjects that matter to him. And so his his sort of that del- that delivery or that content is much closer to a Stuart Lee stand up routine in that you've got one man who is able to talk for 20 minutes about whatever comes to mind. Mm. So I think it's natural that they've come a little closer together, perhaps. 
Cool. Well, we'll move on now to some responses to the latest series when we uh, were on the road to Stratagem and worked our way through uh, Anglian Lives and uh, some other Steve Coogan, Alan Partridge starring live specials. So we'll start with Anglian Lives. Uh, Dermot Looney got in touch and he wrote, I thought your wrap up was quite harsh. Always enjoyed it and saw many of the clips for the first time when I stumbled upon this on YouTube years ago. Now, I, I mean, my response to that would be, I think that's perhaps exactly the reason why we didn't seem to rate it so much because it seems like Anglian Lives probably worked best in clip form. There are a few segments of Partridge Gold wrapped up in what we thought felt was a bit of a slightly moribund format. So interestingly, as much as Dermot's kind of saying that's how and why he likes it, that's also why we're saying it's actually not that great. Um, and some Diddy David Hamilton bits here. Uh, Lee Milne got in touch to say, in central Scotland, Diddy's is slang for breasts. So Diddy Watch sounds like lovely stuff. Uh, Tim Oscroft got in touch to say, Diddy David Hamilton also used to be the on-pitch announcer at Fulham FC. Another one of those tomorrow. And uh, finally on Anglian Lives, uh, Porcupine RPG has got in touch with us regarding our query over the fake credits and the fake companies listed in the Anglian Lives credits. Um, so we were querying the uh, what the gag was with Cater Familius. Uh, he, uh, they write, Cater Familius is a play on the Latin, and sometimes used in English and other modern languages, term, Pater Familius, denoting the male head of a family in ancient Rome. The pun relies on the Pater pronunciation used by 1960s English public schools. I mean great good to understand the kind of the origins of the joke it's not particularly funny or great though is it <laughs> no i mean i guess right. it's it's a little it's a little throwaway nod um but i do think it's quite interesting and it, it, there is a through line in alan um if you look at the fact that on the um blazer tie and, and badge combination sets uh -huh. you have you have no me knowing you rewritten in yeah. latin oh yeah also the sort of references to scepter dial scissor dial him kind of playing with classical formats i guess yeah there's also um you know you should have a basic grasp of latin if you're going to work in dixons <laughs> or, or curries yeah. so yeah it, it is a thing I'm going to cover some correspondence with respect to the man who thinks he's it. And I'm going to kick things off with a lovely note from Roger Grace. And uh, Roger's written, I couldn't work out if the raised intonation when you mentioned Jeffrey Perkins being a co-writer for Coogan was sarcastic Australian question intonation or a genuine question about who he was. <laughs> he was, among many things, uh, the BBC head of comedy. Um, I don't think we need to do a uh, Perkins deep dive, but uh, Roger is indeed right that uh, Jeffrey Perkins was indeed the um, BBC head of comedy from 1995 to 2001. So he oversaw, you know, many of, uh, you know, the BBC's big uh, shows from that day. He also did a stint at uh, Hattrick, um, the comedy production uh, company, and he started his career in radio. So he has a long and illustrious career uh, in comedy and indeed at the BBC. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I do feel a bit, when you look at his kind of list of credits and his impressive career, it's actually a bit of a, <laughs> a bit rubbish of us to not really clock who he was. And uh, for me, I think two things I like. They worked on the original radio series of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is absolutely classic radio comedy. And uh, also he's credited with creating the uh, panel game Mornington Crescent that features in I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, which again is kind of a classic staple of British comedy. So uh, yeah. Jeffrey Perkins uh, done a lot of great stuff there. And moving on, we've had a note from um, Matt Lee. He's kept it short, he's kept it sweet, and he simply says, the best live comedy show of all time. I'm not sure we agree, Matt, but thanks for writing <laughs> in and letting us know what you thought. 
I, I used to think that until I rewatched it, and I was like, mm, I'm not sure how well it's aged. We, yeah, I'd say, Matt, go and rewatch it and uh, tell us what you what you think. Um, Peter Fletcher uh, says uh, a little tits bits tit tit bit tit bit for you. Uh, I think I got that right. Uh, the person who shouted out gravel was none other than Matthew Horn. Uh, he mentioned it on a documentary, and if you listen carefully, you can tell it's him. Impressive. So, uh, yeah, just for uh, for reference, if you can't remember our last series, um, somebody at some point shouts out gravel when Alan's asking for the common qualities of fish. Uh, and that person was, yeah, Gavin and Stacey's Matthew Horn. And finally, Kevin Carlton says, uh, Big Sharp Teeth is 100% a stooge, lads. Uh, saw the show live in Clendidno in 98 and remember hearing the same heckle on the VHS when it came out. Um, so I guess that's kind of like from a sim- similar vein where we were talking about how kind of staged are uh, some of the things that the, the audience uh, shout out. Um, and whilst uh, Kevin hasn't explicitly explained how he knows um, it's a stooge, uh, he has told us it definitely is a stooge. So thank you, Kevin. Reading uh, through these notes before recording and getting to that bit when we were talking about potential stooges in in the live show reminded me of uh, the time I went to go see One Man, Two Governors uh, in the theatre starring James Corden. And there was a bit where he was asking for inspiration for something to go in a sandwich and someone shouted out hummus. And it was like and he did a big riff on sort of like why anyone would have hummus in a sandwich. And it was genuinely funny. And then during lockdown, they the National Theatre put that production, a live stream of that. Uh, or a stream of that on YouTube, and it was the exact same heckle, the exact same ingredient, and the exact same riff. Yeah, and Nick, I, th- I think what you've missed there is their evidence for it being a stooge is because somebody shouted out big sharp teeth in London, and in London. That's the point. Yeah. So the point being that, that the, sa- the same audience suggestion delivered in exactly the same manner in two shows in different cities yeah and okay. i think we did kind of, we kind of did work that out by the fact that the camera angle changed and it was from the viewpoint of the yeah. person who shouts it it's just clear ah, that is helpful cool thank yeah. you that's helped uh, so that, for any that really list- was the point and for any slow <laughs> listeners uh, i hope that's also brought you up to speed as well thank you <laughs> nick uh, everyone's way ahead of you don't worry <laughs> as always i'm going to carry on with the man who <laughs> thinks he's it uh, some more feedback uh, we got an email from jamie atkinson Thank you for your email, Jamie. And he said, uh, I think you made a good point regarding drag. It was overused for easy laughs in things like the Carry On movies and the two Ronnies. I'd say Lily Savage and Pauline Calf did move it on a little as they were actual characters rather than just a cheap gag, but they do feel dated now. RuPaul and others have reframed drag as a positive thing rather than at all for mockery. I think Tony Farino is comparable to uh, Peter Kay's Geraldine McQueen in that they seemed more vehicles to allow the characters to sing rather than just characters. The public didn't really take to them and the premise of the characters, Farino, English actor with a comedy foreign accent and McQueen, a transgender character identifying as a woman but played by a man, probably wouldn't fly and be far more controversial in 2022. Next up, we have a voice note from Matt uh, in... Ickley, is that? In West Yorkshire. Uh, Ickley. 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 Matt from West Yorkshire. And he sent in a voice note uh, (laughs) about uh, the time he went to go see the man who thinks he's it and has a little bit of uh, behind the scenes. I guess you'd only know this if you went to go see it live. So let's play that in now. Just be listening to your um, podcasts on the live shows the Coogan did. Um, And going back to 1998, I was an 18-year-old student um doing my a-levels i think i just finished my a-levels and then coogan came to my um local theater the leeds grand 
But one thing that doesn't come across on the DVD or any kind of um, retrospective on on the show is the fact that Coogan himself played the MC in the theatre. Now it's probably a pre-recording, but he played the MC in the in the theatre, and so he was saying things like, you know, five minutes to to get to your seats and those kind of things. And he was doing it in this kind of rather, you know, um, rather posh um, kind of Queen's English type way and received received English, as it were. And he um, he finished the show. When Coogan went off stage, he did this line which always stuck with me and me and my friends still talk about it. And it was, he said something along the lines of, I will now go home and I'll have a deep bath and um, I will put on my silk kimono. I will then dry properly, put a mango in the microwave, hollow it out, and fuck it. And it brought the house down. It's arguably the biggest laugh of the night. And it's something that actually wasn't um, ever replayed. It was just in that moment, because it was so kind of out of the blue, because he'd obviously played this quite straight, daft voice all night. But it really it really was a great takeaway. Um, and, you know, even to this very day, we, we quote that rather grotesque... Um, MC announcement at the end of the, the show, but yeah, great memory. Keen, keen for a mango. Mm, not if Coogan's <laughs> been anywhere near it. <laughs> it is great when you hear stuff like that, though, isn't it? Like, you yeah, know, we'd never have known uh, something like that. So it's fantastic that people can kind of get in touch and share those things. So yeah, thank you. Thanks very much, Matt. Um, moving on to people's reactions to our reactions to uh, uh, Alan Partridge and other less successful characters. Um, Steve's most recent stand-up show before Stratagem. Um, Estelle Coombs was in touch, as she always is, thanks Estelle, to say, Hi guys, I've got a question about the show. When you saw it, could you hear Alan say, Aha, I saw it in Nottingham and his mic cut out at that point, so we never actually heard him say it. I've often wondered if that was the joke or if it was accidental and just another example of how shoddy and moribund the show was. <laughs> My husband said I should let it go as it's been 14 years, but I'll never, I'll never forget the feeling of utter disappointment watching the live show. I envisaged shouting, come back on Alan and keep on talking, whereas in reality I left feeling sad. Love the show, brackets your show, from Estelle in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I can't speak to that, I'm afraid, Estelle. I, I, I don't believe I was at this show. I can't remember if I was or not, to be honest, but certainly... I, I think don't you'd remember know if he... you went to Nottingham, Adam. Come on. Well, we went to London, didn't we? Yeah, I think. We, um, crucially, London is not Nottingham. No, uh, but that's... I, I mean, I guess this is what she's asking, though, is did it happen at every show or was it just a mistake at hers? Yeah, I don't yeah. remember hearing a truncated aha. I believe all the ahas were let allowed to breathe in full um, if, at any shows we were at. Um, I think... My main um, bit of uh, feedback on this is um, Estelle, I think I'm with your husband. It's been 14 years. Let it go. <laughs> uh, moving on to our next message from Victor Melgi. I, I don't, don't believe, believe it. it. <laughs> uh, he's a, who apparently says, I went to see this tour in Bristol and when he came on as Pauline, the curtain drawing back and her going, ah, it was to deafening silence. <laughs> like one clap or cheer, which I'm guessing was the exact amount of clapping and cheering was expected. Enjoyed Alan though. Meow. Thanks for that, Victor. <laughs> um, Alex Taylor got in touch and said, uh, appreciating the meow SFX lads. Oh, yeah, we put meows in every time we said whiskers last time. Um, <coughs> but there was at least one mention of the cat food brand that was not accompanied by the sound effect. Jed, sort it out, yeah? <laughs> Jed. Yep. Clearly, Jed is too busy as a horror movie mogul taking his eye off the uh, off the, off the the production ball there. So uh, we will lock him in his cage for up to two weeks as punishment. <laughs> um, and finally, a voice note from uh, Marlon Slack. Um, so he saw the show in Australia uh, and it was it was altered for the Australian audience quite a bit. So let's now hear from Marlon. G'day, guys. I um, thought I'd drop you a line. 
I saw the Alan Partridge and other less successful characters show here in Melbourne, Australia, about 2008, 2009. It was right after it toured the UK. And it was kind of weird. I mean, first of all, it seemed like he was literally fizzing with energy. If fizzing with something, he spoke very quickly. And I think I understand the reasons for that now. Um, weirder still, though, was him changing all the UK references to really local Australian ones. So minor British celebrities and places were changed to uh, local ones here. So Radio Shack became Dick Smith Electronics. Uh, Monty Don became Don Burke. It was such a weird thing to do, given we've paid a fortune to go there, followed Alan Partridge. We kind of get the references. At the end of the day, if you want to see Alan Partridge in Australia, you should at least have a working knowledge of UK supermarkets. Lastly, we don't have the media that you guys do, and we don't have the stories about the personality behind Steve Coogan and some of the the uh, stories in the press that have circulated about him. So his personality, his backstory is something that hasn't hit us here. So the last song was performed largely to silence and confusion. Um, none of us really got it or what was going on. I remember standing outside at the tram stop uh, with a bunch of other people who walked out the venue and us just sort of quietly going to each other. Is is he supposed to be a dickhead or something? We We... Didn't get that memo. So long story short, we uh, don't get Coogan, but we do get all the very specific UK references when we speak uh, fluent British Isles. So anyway, I'm off to drink a Ginsters and smoke a packet of minstrels. Mm. Love the podcast as always. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Uh, thanks so much for getting in touch, Marlon. That's, so uh, that's, that's a wonderful voice note. Although I would, I don't want to split hairs, but it does seem like you're on the one hand complaining that the show was too tailored for Australian audience, and then following that by complaining that it wasn't tailored enough. So <laughs> you're gonna have you're gonna have to pick a side. But we really do appreciate you getting in touch. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot. I think I think it's quite interesting as well that everybody's a bit of a cunt thing, basically playing out to silence because I do think. Alan moments aside, in that live show, that was a hugely successful uh, kind of ending to the show. I, I think, you know, UK audiences absolutely loved that. So that's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shame that obviously that doesn't translate outside of the UK. Um, so, yeah, ending on a bit of a whimper, not a bang for, for Steve there, unfortunately. I do also wonder in terms of UK audiences whether there's a chance that actually a lot of people are very big fans of his characters with, but even in the UK don't know a huge amount about him. You know, people who maybe aren't tabloid readers. It, it's almost a weird humble brag that he would have a whole song that's about his own reputation in front of a lot of people who perhaps aren't as familiar with his reputation as he thinks they are. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Although, I, I mean, I would guess people that are actually going to buy a ticket to go to a theatre show are going to be a lot more invested probably in Coogan and his output overall. I would, I would yeah, assume. and I suppose it's not like they put that song on TV. It was, it was. you're right, it was for an audience of theatre goers that paid to see him specifically. Did I imagine, it, did they reuse a bit of that in the trip? Yes, they yes. did. Yeah, there was yeah. A, he, has a, he has a nightmare with the, uh, new, the Guardian newspaper where it says yeah. Coogan is a cunt and then he's like, yes. well, <laughs> it be written by anybody yeah. and then it says Sarah's dad. dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just put great banter um okay well look, i'm gonna bring us bang up to date here then it's time to talk about stratagem now obviously i wasn't there 
Can't remember why. So Adam, Tom, Nick, get ready to share some further insight as I have zero idea about any of the following. Uh, so strap in. Uh, we're going to start here. Uh, Thomas Wright got in touch on Instagram and writes, at the Newcastle show of Stratagem, someone behind me in the audience shouted, Partridge wanker. I'm not sure if this was genuine or an audience plant. It didn't get a reaction from Alan. Did this happen at any other show? I don't believe we heard it. I think there, there, there were a few shout outs, um, but... If I'm right in thinking, I don't think anyone dared disturb the show. They mainly happened in the audience before it started and it was just people shouting Dan and things like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like for that to me just sounds like somebody in the audience just having a bit of fun because I think why would you make that a plant if Alan's not going to interact with it? Although on the flip side, there are there have been some quite subtle moments in more recent Partridge output where you do get people shouting Partridge, you wanker. Like, that's happened at a couple of points in this time, for example. And actually, he doesn't... I don't think he does really interact or react to it. And it's like a nice little Easter egg for more devoted fans to pick up on that. So who knows? Maybe it might might be a thing that when we get to the the streaming uh, or DVD release of it, maybe subtly in the audio mix, it is going to be there. Um, I guess time will tell. Um, Joe Jackson got in touch and writes, they went to see Stratagem in Blackpool as a much smaller venue than the O2, but sadly had pretty much exact same views on it as you lot did. I only lolled twice in the whole evening, brackets, carriage clock and the iPod dancing. Uh, also, can't believe he didn't mention High Noon. I think he'd have done a much better job of delivering on something like the Oast House live on stage with Psychic Simon and some pretend Twitter interaction and call-ins. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I mean, based on what you've seen, would that have been a better show? I think it w- it, it, it might have been a better show, but I think if you're doing it at the O2, people are expecting more spectacle mm-hmm. than what effectively will feel like Anglian Lives live on stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think you, you could have executed that better, but the bar would be too low for a, for a stadium or an arena tour. But Adam, some some podcasts do do arena-sized shows. Maybe not this podcast, but it can happen. And also, I think, in the grand scheme of Alan's output, Oast House is comparatively niche, and a lot of people might not understand, what is this setup? what's going on, I don't get it, I don't understand. Whereas, obviously, for us, it would make total sense, whereas they have to keep it a bit more broader for for sort of big arena comedy, I think. Which is why a sort of catch-all thing of a Alan doing another self-help thing is is makes more sense than keeping yeah. it insular like post house. And I, I guess Alan doing like some kind of self-help motivational talk is a well-entrenched uh, theme with the character that we've seen multiple iterations of that. So that there's a logic to it. Some might say too entrenched. Yeah. I reserve my judgment, but maybe. Um, and I, you know, I guess maybe the other thing you could have done some kind of like. You could have sold it as like a this time roadshow, but obviously I think we've been given the. There was a thing with the Gibbon saying like he basically he he is no longer doing this time, so obviously that conceit wouldn't work either. But you know that would actually have made more sense, I guess. But yeah, I think they keep the narrative lines fairly clear, don't they? There's not mm, huge mm. cross pollination between the two. You know, you've got Rosa in uh, the Oast House, and you know you've obviously got. Jenny and this time and that the characters don't bleed over much and I, I wonder if um there's a reason for that maybe contractual maybe other but I think for whatever reason the lines and the streams don't cross all that much so it potentially wouldn't be possible or wouldn't have worked in the life setting but would it have been better we do not know um okay and then moving on to a message from ruddy superb who writes i'm doing my brackets wife's nutting trying to remember the tune to alan's song with ha 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 
ha ha ha ha ha ha as the chorus. Could you have a sing-along in the review episode to refresh my memory? Thanks a lot. Now, Ruddy Superb, if that is your real name, I definitely can't help with this one. Uh, what about you three? I'm happy to take this one um, because I remember <laughs> listening to the song live in the show thinking, whilst this isn't very funny, uh, or it's slightly funny, it actually does have all the hallmarks of a, of a high-quality Radio 2 mid-afternoon <laughs> Or or, or, or or Chill FM hit. Uh, and so I, I saw this message coming from Ruddy Superb right after the show, and I apologise for making you wait so long to hear how it goes. <laughs> but uh, I can't remember the verses exactly, but the chorus very much goes... Like that. So uh, he's absolutely nailed that. <laughs> I'm so impressed. I mean, so- sounds pretty catchy. I'm suddenly keen to see Stratagem. Yeah, <laughs> I saw I saw really superb's tweet, and I've had to keep that in the back of my brain ever since because I didn't want to let our listeners down. Because I think I, I feel uh, Stab and I were looking at that, and I think Stab, you said you had no recollection. No recollection. Of it. I was like, well, <laughs> you went to the bloody show, pal. So it was ages ago. <laughs> It was three months ago. Um, okay, a couple more bits on stratagem here. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, this very quick line from Chris Twister uh, regarding uh, the announcement that stratagem will be going on to Amazon Prime for uh, streaming in the winter. Uh, Chris wrote, maybe they can edit it so it's funnier. Uh, let's hope so. Ouch. <laughs> Burn. Um, and Lethal Dizzle, um, I really enjoyed this, uh, wrote regarding the uh, the lovely photo of you guys w- with your beers at the O2 before the show. Uh, Lethal Dizzle wrote, your failure to order ladyboys shows a lack of imagination similar to that of Norwich Council. Great. Really enjoyed that comment. What I would say to Lethal Dizzle is, have you seen the alcohol prices at the O2 Arena? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those are three, that was going to be these are yeah, three yeah. premium <laughs> drink products that we do not have the budget for at Monkey Tennis HQ. God, how many, three Ladyboy Chasers in the O2 is going to be, God, I mean, 50 quid, 60 quid, 60 quid, something like that. It's, it's going to be outrageous. Yeah. Actually, right. probably more because it's going to be three drinks. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be somewhere between 60 and 100 pounds, isn't it? Lethal Dizzle, if you want to see us order ladyboys on a future show, it's ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis. Drop us some pennies and we'll gladly buy drinks and take photos with them. Yeah, so roughly 60 quid. Cheers, Lethal. We've also had a note in uh, from Ben Hiscox-Smith, who writes, "Uh, I like Stratagem a lot. Okay, right. We know where this is going. Let's, let's, okay. let's, <laughs> let's just see where he goes with this. Uh, I saw it in Plymouth Pavilions, and this was uh, maybe a smaller venue than many. Uh, in addition, the show I saw featured two subsidiary screens to the left and the right of the stage, apropos viewing Steve's performance with more nuance, which was great. Uh, similar issues with sound quality. Restratagem being ill-defined until the second half, it reminded me of a staff training that spends the majority of its time justifying itself before imparting a small bit of salient information. Highlights include the laughter of love, uh, the video calls with the Irish fellow, I think he means Martin Brennan, Uh, time travel bit uh, would perhaps have fitted better as a VT on this time. Absolute highlight was the opening of the second half at the chair gag. This would have been virtually incommunicable outside of a live show. Given style, verbal footnotes, e.g. Uh, proportional representation, electoral reform during the medley retreat uh, that the less cerebral uh, may have missed on first viewing. Um, 
I mean, I think overall for me, I think the things that he's listed out, I mean, I think we should say that, you know, at the O2, we had uh, the screens, we obviously had, you know, the sound quality that was not great. So all of that kind of is is representative. Um, And I kind of agree with what uh, he said so far. Um, I just don't necessarily see them as positives. Uh, The only thing I would agree with was I thought the chair gag was absolutely brilliant and impossible to describe for someone like Tom who hasn't seen it. But um, otherwise, I see what he's saying as positives as negatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd, I'd mirror that as well. I think it's not the case that we didn't spot that stratagem is, you know, being presented like bad staff training that doesn't, you know, doesn't make its point until the, the final part. I think it's just that we didn't think it worked particularly well. Um, and um, I can confirm having seen uh, Girl Band Eternal there in the 90s that Plymouth Pavilions is significantly smaller than the O2. I think the O2 is around 20,000 capacity. Plymouth Pavilions is around four. And just carrying on from Stratagem Feedback, Matt Stout has got in touch and he says in your most recent episode about Stratagem, you said there was a segment where Alan was disguised as a chair on stage, which we've obviously just referenced. I don't know the details as I've not seen the show. (laughs) Tom, did you write this? Uh, And we'll (laughs) certainly have to wait until a potential streaming release not being in the UK. But your description made me wonder if this segment was inspired by an early 20th century horror story Jed called The Human Chair. <laughs> it was written by the Japanese author Edogawa Rampo, and as the title suggests, involves someone disguising themselves as a chair. It is an excellent story and really stays with you. It was such an odd thing for Alan to be disguised as a chair on stage that I wondered if it had been uh, inspired by this story. As always, appreciate you spouting your opinions into your USB microphones. Um, I would say, Matt, that that is maybe just a bit of a leap. Uh, I think it's just a funny gag, but uh, it's always nice to know uh, that our listenership is so well read and knowledgeable. I'd also say, and feel free to edit this if you have no prior knowledge, Jed, but if anybody knows the human chair, it's likely to be our producer, Jed Shepard. So if you want to throw in a short review of the human chair here, then by all means, fill your boots. From Action Jackson to the human chair. He's got it all. (laughs) Welcome back, listeners, to Jed's One Minute Movie Reviews, Book Edition. I have to admit, I haven't quite read the original short story of The Human Chair by Edogawa Ranpo that came out in 1925, but I have read the more recent adaptation by one of my all-time horror heroes, Junji Ito, author and illustrator of some of my favourite spooky stories of the last 20 years, including The Long Dream and Enigma of Amigara Fault. In Junji Ito's manga adaptation, he takes the story a little further. Where the original short story leaves it on a cliffhanger, the modern retelling shows what happens after the protagonist finds out about the human chair. We see in gruesome detail as she's stolen away into the chair and is found rotten inside, embraced by her creepy stalker. He also has a little pantry inside of fish and potatoes, so you would have thought they'd noticed before, right? That chair must absolutely pong. In conclusion, if you're buying a new chair, give it a little sniff. If it smells like fish and dead bodies, hang on to that receipt. I give the human chair five decomposed bodies and an armchair out of five. See you next time on Jed's One Minute Movie and Book Reviews. Bye. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Our next piece of feedback is from Nick Strouther, and he says, As you will be aware, some of the stratagem shows were cancelled. I didn't think much of it until an excerpt of Steve's autobiography was read out on your podcast, where he mentions he was too inebriated to do some shows and the official reason was put down to laryngitis. The reason for this cancelled stratagem shows was again put down to laryngitis. Now, I don't think Steve has gone back to his drink and drugs heck, but I wonder if there was another reason for the shows being cancelled. Poor ticket sales, maybe. Or he may have just had laryngitis. <laughs> uh, finally, just want to say I saw Stratagem in Liverpool and thoroughly enjoyed it. At the interval, I thought those armchairs that had been on stage for a long time before the show resumed. And knowing what happens, I found the thought of Steve sat there in that chair costume for a long time quite funny. I wonder if he was sat, uh, just a uh, thanks for that, Nick. But I do wonder if he was sat in there for he couldn't have been sat in there for the whole time. There must have been like a like a door or something for him to go up into that chair. Otherwise, he's sitting in the interval for the whole time. I don't know if he would have done that. Anyway, thanks for the uh, email, Nick. Uh, so James M has also got in touch with his thoughts about stratagem. This is quite a long one, but we think it's well worth getting into. He says my feeling about stratagem seems to be very similar to what most of your listeners and you felt. Really disappointing, but I'm too much of a Partridge fan to say that, so I'll just say 7 on 10. I think stratagem brought into sharp focus an issue I've been having with new Alan. In Alan's earlier shows, there were far more moments that were laugh-out-loud funny. I still burst out laughing when watching certain scenes from I'm Alan Partridge. Meanwhile, this time makes me smile, and I often find myself appreciating jokes, but rarely do I find myself laughing like a lunatic at something Alan has done. This continued into stratagem. A lot of Alan Partridge fans sat in the O2 watching Alan Partridge, desperate to laugh but finding themselves smiling instead and occasionally checking their watch and trying to kid themselves into thinking their ticket price was worth it. Well, I think that all depends on what you paid, but let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk about that. Uh, New Alan to me is an Alan Partridge that viewers are meant to support rather than laugh at, which is not the Alan of times gone by. Coogan, perhaps understandably, wants the character that's defined his entire life to not be so utterly reviled and embarrassing, so softened all of Partridge's edges and surrounded him with people who are more dislikable. It makes for a different kind of comedy, and despite the rapturous support that the Gibbons brothers get among hardcore fans, Alan is just not quite as funny as he used to be because of it. Following on from this, I just listened back to your episode on Alan Partridge and other less successful characters. You made two really interesting points regarding the reviews that it got at the time. 
Uh, A, that the reviews at the time read like two-star reviews, but everybody gave it three stars, which sounds exactly like what you and the email reviews have come up with, everybody giving it an extra one star because nobody can bring themselves to say that Alan really wasn't very funny. B, that Coogan was very under-rehearsed, with Coogan glancing at clipboards for lines, which in the words of the Chalker reviewer, when you've got 1,800 people paying £40, you shouldn't still be practising. You read out an email which said that Coogan was essentially doing the 2022 version of this by reading off an autocue, which admittedly I never noticed him doing. Remarkable how consistent Alan Partridge live shows are um i think make a lot of good points james i do think i certainly agree that it's become a different type of comedy i don't know that it's steve wanting a character that's defined his career to not be hated i think it's more that as he gets older it's more interesting to him to have a character that's got a bit more nuance and that you know it becomes a little bit more acting and a little bit less comedy or straight comedy um i don't know if uh, if anyone else would agree or disagree with that i i would i would agree but i also want to disagree with what james is saying in regards to partridge isn't that funny anymore i just think it's a different type of humor and whether that's for you or not is completely you know up to you and whether you connect with that or not but i would say it's just a different kind of comedy and i think it is better and richer for it um i also to the second point about um other less successful characters that that um that james made about steve being under rehearsed i think that is possibly something that was picked up very much in the reviews at the time obviously but the, the we mentioned about Steve using an auto cue for the 2022 for, for stratagem basically and I think I, I mentioned at the time I don't I don't necessarily have a have an issue with that if he's rehearsed um and wants to have that audio cue there as, as a backup I have no issue with that like you have quite big mainstream music artists who will have an auto cue on stage with the lyrics of their songs on um for for festival performances and gigs like i have no issue with that like i would rather see them be able to remember the lyrics and or know the lyrics and then forget them and make for a terrible show i don't think having an auto cue is necessarily a bad thing if you have it at, at live tv record tv recordings i don't see why you can't have it live i don't really have an issue with that Cool. Well, eventually I will uh, see Stratagem somehow and uh, then I'll be able to uh, join the conversation. Uh, But until then, a quick reminder that if you like what we do, and if you don't, surely you aren't still listening this far into the episode, uh, you can show your appreciation for the podcast by sending us a few quid over on ko-fi.com forward slash monkey tennis that's ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis a huge thank you to everyone that's donated recently uh we've had some entertaining messages along with the donations so a few we'd like to highlight and say thanks to uh andy space mcg wrote thanks for all the great podcasts and enjoy a big fat shot of espresso on me well not literally that would burn Max Strainer wrote, Greetings from Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Thanks for your sanity-protecting work. Also, Tom Dark, meet your alter ego. And he's then included a uh, Wikipedia link to a vocalist in uh, in US punk bands. Uh, he's been a vocalist from the 80s up to the present day, by the looks of it, uh, also called Tom Dark. So uh, I did want to put out there, are any listeners aware of any other uh, Adam Brooks's, Nick Alders, Tom Stabs? Of note, perhaps we could do a bit of a bit of a sweep for that. I think I remember looking on Facebook a few years ago if there were any Tom Stabs and there is one who I think is the a, a singer in a US hardcore band. Perhaps uh, Tom Dark and Tom Stab, the singers, Great. should get together and form they, a they, super group. Yeah, <laughs> and, and call it a stab in the dark, obviously. <laughs> yeah, uh, There's definitely an ice hockey player and a film director, both called Adam Brooks as well. Um, yeah, so there's, 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 there's a handful of famous Adam Great. Brooks out there. And I, I do think that I'm pretty sure there's a racing driver 
he's a Tom Dark as well. Um, anyway, back to uh, back to Kofi World for now. Um, uh, this is this is quite a bit of fun. Um, Stradicab writes, "You mentioned my donation on a recent episode. Thanks. Unfortunately, you had already mentioned my donation before <laughs> in an earlier series." I feel as if I have obtained a second shout-out through deception, so have made a second retrospective donation here out of guilt. Oh no, Stradicab, we've done it again. We've mentioned you a third time. Uh, I don't know what happens now, but I'm worried that perhaps we've got you unfairly stuck into some kind of donation uh, shout-out cycle. So uh, we'll leave that with you to decide what happens next. Stradicab, thank you. 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 If you tune in next week and you find that there's an episode that is entirely just listeners' names that we know of, then you'll understand why. Yeah, and just thanks again to Andy Space McGee and Max Stainer. Andy Space McGee and Max Stainer. Andy Space McGee and Max Stainer. Get a few more in there. And thanks, Stradicab. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, kofi.com forward slash monkey tennis. See you there. So before we go into the bank holiday roundup, which we know you're all excited to uh, hear, it falls upon me this week uh, to give you all the different um, ways that you can get in touch with us and um, please do uh, please do get in touch with us because uh, it makes the feedback episodes much more uh, enjoyable so <laughs> it'd be a lot shorter without it, it, it. it really will it really will so uh, you can get in touch with us on instagram and it's at monkey tennis pod twitter at the partridge pod facebook.com forward slash the partridge pod email uh, which is thepartridgepod at gmail.com. You can send us a WhatsApp uh, voice note, and that number is 07923 uh, Please remember to follow and subscribe. It makes a difference, as I'm sure you hear on every other podcast that you listen to. Star in Overcast, <laughs> tell a friend, share an episode, adopt an owl. One of those is optional, but which one is it? <laughs> Find out next week. We won't tell you next week. And without further ado, it is over to... The other guy who's kicking this off? It's Bank Holiday Fun. Where do we start? What's happening? Did the other guy. Job? Someone take over. <laughs> He's gone briefly mindless. <laughs> Thank you, Stradicab. So, uh, Dave O. <laughs> I'm going to intro this uh, slightly differently. We had a, a, a message from Dave O. Who sent us an article from The Guardian, which is a classic bank holiday, what you're doing, who's with you. And the headline is, Johnny Depp spotted holding Badger Cub at Kent Wildlife Sanctuary. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) So with that in mind, Adam, please take us away. Okay, Toma Lichtash says, Brian Eno, we're having a nice breakfast. After a while, though, he starts going on and on about the benefits of the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre. I realise he's not as sophisticated as I imagined he'd be. Simon Wilding is off for a Toby Carvery breakfast with his own 12-inch plate with Nick Knowles followed by a shopping spree in B&Q to replace my old tools and then a late pub lunch and a pint of directors. Big Trader James says, Going to Starbucks with John Inverdale. We'll sit by the window and he'll point out all the people that he makes more money than. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Mantrick says, I'd go to Wallington Hall with Sting. Then we pop into Rothbury for a sandwich and a can of pop. Ruddy Superb says, going on a partial tour of UK motorway services from Tebe to Telford, best to worst, with Greg Wallace and a glove compartment full of meat and egg snacks. <laughs> Peter Fitzsimmons says, big aims, disc golf, duffel bag of pepperami. 
Chris Tamball says go-karting in Thrapston with Keith Chegwin. We were supposed to be going with a group of disadvantaged children, but the bee pulled the plug on the funding after the Savile show. Dave O, meeting Tim Henman at Bounce in Shoreditch for a quick game of table tennis. Let Tim win. Then off to a Fuller's <laughs> pub for an ESB, pork pie and high-growth chutney. Unless Sue Barker turns up, in which case it's an all-bar one in Hackney followed by scrapping Brick Lane. <laughs> Uh, Lee Milne says visiting the Giants Causeway with Annika Rice a full hamper in tow Russ Appleby a tour of city centre fountains within a 50 mile radius with Tommy Cannon James R says on a canal boat with Arge from Towie can't agree on what board game to play actually that's a good idea for a programme Argy Bargy with Arge on a barge <laughs> call Tony Hayes <laughs> brilliant Matt Andrews touring the under construction Norwich Hyperloop with Elon Musk fascinating man after confirming the tunnelling work is in progress to Musk's satisfaction will retire to the boxy wheat sheaf for a dank hamburger which I know Elon regularly partakes thereof LCFC Tom says a visit to Scotland's secret bunker just off the A915 to St Andrews with Simple Minds own Jim Kerr followed by a couple of cheese toasties at a nearby roadside cafe because he's too tight to pay the visitor centre prices <laughs> John Paul Wilmer is going on an impromptu trip to Soho with Grant Shapps it's Nando's, then a quick spin into Platinum Lace and a bottle of Merlot. Mickelen writes, I'm riding the Seaton to Coloyton tramway with Gloria Honeyford. We've already had an argument about sitting on the open top deck because she doesn't want her hairdo mucked up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roba Rothwell, accompanying Fiona Bruce to the Scottish Deer Centre, followed by a slap-up medium spicy quesadilla, whatever that is, at Las Iguanas, all washed down with an umbrella drink. <laughs> <laughs> McCavity21 says blow the bloody doors off a Wagamama's katsu curry with Michael K after which we head over to the East Anglia Transport Museum and check out the narrow gauge railway followed by a pint of best Stuart Filmer is watching snooker with the lady from the high karate advert with a mug of tea and hot cross buns Modern World says go for afternoon tea on the Bowness and Kinell Steam Rail- Railway uh, with a lovely Tuppence Middleton combined with a visit to the Museum of Scottish Railways then head to bonus town for some real ale at the Corby Inn, Jurassic Park Simon underscore MW88, my ideal bank holiday Monday would be sofa testing at DFS with the lovely Kirsty Gallagher Kirsty is naked and no, 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 I'm not typing that (laughs) Steve Kettle says, going to see Jed's brother in Leeds, finally Thumbs up, thumbs up says, walking around Port Merion with Nick Clegg and Uma Thurman (laughs) and settling down for a hot mug of tea and some Welsh cakes Uma will have left by that point. <laughs> Grant, la 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 la. Uh, potholing with Anne Whittacombe. Sarah Lockyer, watching a documentary about Saudi Arabia with Peter Kay. Joseph underscore Drugan says, I'm going for an off-road experience day through my local Land Rover dealership alone before making Rumble de Thumps and Beef Stew with nickname. Andrew Davis, a game of Blind Man's Buff with James Corden on the West Coast <laughs> Main Line. <laughs> Marcus Whitehead uh, is off to Margate for cod and chips with Nicholas Witchell. Uh, after that, they're going to sit outside Weatherspoons and drink cheap ale. Dal Still would like a day of adventure at Go Ape at Leeds Castle with Philippa Forrester, followed by a Segway tour of the grounds and ending with a motorway meal deal at a service station of her choosing on whichever motorway is best for her journey home. <laughs> Dean Tonner got in touch to say, visiting every Greg's within a 25-mile radius of Norwich City Centre with Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Gareth Bundy, I'm walking the Gruffalo Trail at Delamere Forest with Mia Farrow and her black children. 
Adrian Bavister writes, This holiday, I'd like to take a solemn and humbling visit to the National Holocaust Museum and inspire a sense of wonder that I hope can help the human spirit in such circumstances. With Paul Chuckle. <laughs> uh, Stephen Pocket would go Morris dancing in the Cotswolds with the menacing Richard Baker. Then after a sausage roll and a Rubicon lunch, we'd have a brisk evening stroll before I popped him home. The day will be mischief-free. If Richard gets up to anything untoward, I'm ditching the fella. He knows the rules. <laughs> Peter Cookson says, cleaning up the garage with the lovely Kate Winslet. Leo Belcher's Harewood Hill Climb in Harry Hill's Hillman Imp, driven by Damon Hill. Rob Hill says, I'd like to go for a lovely Italian restaurant in Little Oakley, maybe with Richard Bailey. Louise Young said she had tentative plans with Sue Cook, but she's not messaged her back. Graham Robert Watkins says, painting the garden fences with Clive Owen, followed by Scotch eggs and cider. Thomas Shepherd, fixing my conservatory roof with Ronnie Corbett. As he's only little, I'd only make him do some of the working at height. <laughs> Richie McHugh says, an unfulfilling watch of Doctor Who with my six-year-old son, followed by a lovely lamb lunch. Bye. Dave Hughes, I'd get some keys cut at Timson's and go for a meal at Harvester with Mark Addy. We brunch together quite regularly. John Turner says, a romantic walk with Carol Decker from Tapau down Morecambe Prom, followed by an all-you-can-eat Toby Carvery, finished with finger darts at a secluded picnic area. <laughs> Richard Payne says, a ramble through the woods with Jenny Powell, followed by tea and scones in the local National Trust Cafe. Jesus Mourinho or Jesus? Uh, either way, off to uh, the Nutsford Hedgehog Emporium <laughs> with Chris Eubank. Uh, brackets, Timmy Mallet was invited, but he's gone bowling with Mr. Motivator. Of course, <laughs> close brackets. David Archer is building sandcastles with Catherine Jenkins on Colwyn Bay Beach. A lamb lunch at the Toby Carvery, followed by an hour of lovemaking back at the Premier Inn before a late checkout. £15 surcharge. Lucky, lucky lady. <laughs> Uh, Rich Warburton says, I'm off to Leeds to see my brother. Jamie Atkinson is gardening and taking a trip to B&Q with Carmen Electra. And Mark Ride is simply making a shed with a sober Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Lockie is back with a trip round Glenda Spooner World Horse Welfare Farm with <laughs> Professor Chris Whitty, followed by a slap-up meal at a beef eater. <laughs> Matt Woody Woodcock is going for a tandem bike ride with the lovely Julia Bradbury, counting how many bottles of piss we can see in roadside pictures of Cambridgeshire. <laughs> And finally this week, Matthew Hutton says, I'll probably just bring a tramp off in the street. <laughs> and on that mucky bombshell, it's time to say goodbye from all of us at Muggy Tennis, the Anna Partridge fan podcast. We're going to be back next week with more of your feedback before we dive into From the Oast House Series 2. Thank you, Stratocab. <laughs> Thanks and goodbye. So before we go into the bank holiday roundup, which we know you're all excited to hear, it just um, falls on me this week uh, to give you all of our contact information. So watch as I do this uh, on my first take. It is... No, I need to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Great. Really great. That's the the clip that we use on the outro. (laughs) It is nothing. It is... I'll do it again. I am hopping mad and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yup, absolutely. Yup, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Dad! Monkey tennis? Little pierce my foot on his back. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. No. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. <laughs>
Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmonds is a total wazzard of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who the hell is that? Like, this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.